Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 222 called Katie and Alicia. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX. Use code InfertileAF23 and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I-B-A-B-Y.com. The best part, if you use code ALLY15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code ALLY15, A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. All right, guys, such a good episode today and two incredible women. Today, I'm talking to Katie Seppi, who's the creator of Childless Collective on Instagram, and Alicia, who's the creator of To Be Child Free on Instagram, about living and thriving without children after infertility. Okay, so you guys might remember Katie, who told her full infertility story on my podcast back in 2020, and we've been really good friends ever since. She's incredible. She's going to talk today about all the work that she's been doing to support everybody in the community who's pivoted from their family building journeys and are now living childless, not by choice. And Alicia, who I just met, who also is amazing, is another really strong voice and bright light in the Embrace Childless community. She's going to talk about her struggles with infertility, her two chemical pregnancies, why she walked away when IVF was brought to the table, and everything that she's doing to raise awareness and blast stigmas and support the childless after infertility community as well. We are all also going to talk about childless versus child-free and some of the terminology that goes around with it. We're going to talk about how we all really dislike the term giving up or don't give up and how infertility and treatment can lead to depression and anxiety. And also Katie and Alicia are going to give their advice for listeners for creating a beautiful, full, childless life. So like I said, these women are amazing. Um, I really love this whole conversation. Without further ado, this is Katie and Alicia's Infertility Stories. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have two friends on the show today. I've got Katie and Alicia. You guys might remember Katie from a couple of years ago. She told her whole story on my show. I will link the episode in the show notes. You guys can listen to that and on my social as well. And Alicia is a new friend. So we're going to be talking about 
you know, what both of them are going through now and what has happened in their lives and where they're at and all that stuff. So hello. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. I'm just going to start with you, Katie, because I've known you for a couple of years now. We met through Instagram, of course. And like I said, you were on my show, but you have, you know, done so much in the childless community. And I guess before we even get started, let's talk about terms, because I know that's really important to you. And Alicia, (laughs) feel free to chime in as well. So when you have gone through an infertility journey and then, you know, you walk away with no living children, what do you call that? Like, how do you like to refer to that lifestyle? Okay. So I'm going to give my answer. And then Alicia, you may have a different take than me, but um, I feel like what I've learned over the years is that there's so much muddiness around this, that if you look outside of our community, it gets even more complicated. And so um, I feel like generally uh, using childless is um, a term that is kind of known to, to describe someone who wanted kids and couldn't have them. Child-free is typically used for someone who didn't want kids. And so if we're just talking about like generally, I would say I've started just using childless to make it clear outside of the community. That's kind of the general term um, that's that those definitions encompass. Mm-hmm. But for people's individual stories, I feel like each of us can decide what we want to label ourselves. So you'll see like child-free or child-free after infertility get used. And I always mm-hmm. feel like individuals should be able to identify in whatever, mm-hmm. you know, makes them feel most comfortable. But I think for just general terms, if I was saying like someone from outside the community, I would say probably childless after infertility or involuntarily childless would um, be kind of the more standard term if you were trying to be safe. But Alicia, what do you think? I appreciate that uh, explanation. And I think just to acknowledge there's so much nuance. And I think there's a lot of power that you can gain by being able to pick and choose. Like, this is how I identify myself. So I am callous, uh, not by choice, but I live a child-free after infertility life. And so um, how I view my personal identity is Um, I like to say that I'm child-free because I want to acknowledge and honor the ambivalence actually that I had about becoming a parent. I didn't really like truly embrace that, I would say, until more recently in the last couple of years. And I know that that may sound kind of contradictory, right? Like I wanted a baby, but I didn't want a baby at the same time. And I think it's just really true to sometimes some of the experience for some people that doesn't get talked about a lot. And so that's why I really like to identify as being child-free because I made the choice to walk away from infertility, but I also made the choice to say, you know what, I actually like really secretly was wanting to maybe not have a child during, Mm -hmm. I mean, I would literally be going to, you know, maybe treatment and but all at the same time going like, kind of like, what am I going to do when I have a, a child? Like, I don't know if I really want this, but I'm still physically going through the process. And so- I think that is just has been really helpful for me to just really honor that part of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say I'm child-free after infertility, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I also don't have brief moments. Like I'm, I'm very much living in the both and. Like I'm very, I call it like the relief and grief sort of place. Mm. Like relief that I don't have children, but I also grieve that I don't have children. So I think it's that's such a great term, and I think it's so important to point out that it's not necessarily you have to feel one way or the other, right? Like 
we're humans. We have contradictory feelings. We have simultaneous feelings. So I like that there's a relief and a grief at the same time. That's really interesting and such a great way to articulate that. So tell me, can you tell us a little bit more about your story, Alicia, and what brought you to where you are now? Like as far, you know, as much as you want to get into your family building journey and all that, um, we'd love to hear as much as you're willing to share. Sure. Um, so similar to you and Katie, uh, we're Instagram friends. I met Katie through Instagram. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I think some of us um, sometimes feel the most comfort to show up in. And um, so my childless journey started back actually in 2014. So it's been about nine years. Um, actually, I was just reflecting on this the other day. And so I'm like, oh, it's been almost 10 years, you know, another more year. And it'd be like 10 years, a decade out from the beginning of it. So um, in February of 2014, I had a chemical pregnancy and I had just gotten married a few months before. So, you know, if you can imagine like you're sort of on this high and you're coming down from the Christmas holidays and things, you know, if, you know, if you celebrate that, then you know, kind of the energy and the, and the time that goes into that. And then you're sort of like coming on this letdown and then you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm pregnant. Whoa. You know, wasn't expecting this so quickly, but like, okay, we're doing this. And then all of a sudden we weren't doing that. Um, and so it was just a really big roller coaster of emotions. And then about a year, a little over a year later, um, I had another chemical pregnancy. And so then that really sent me into a state of confusion. Like, why is this happening? Mm-hmm. And then went down a long journey of um, wellness journey, integrative medicine, um, getting some medical support and intervention and evaluation, and um, basically doing all the things that I could possibly think of until uh, right before having the option to do IVF. And so once that option was on the table, um, I walked away from my infertility journey and mm-hmm. um, pretty much single-handedly made that decision without my partner. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm partnered, I'm married. And so having so much emotional upheaval from going through, um, you know, having conversations with the medical staff, um, the office, I didn't feel like was warm and, and supportive and just kind of how that medical experience was um, just added to the collective stress. And mm-hmm. so I said, I, I just can't mentally and physically do this anymore. It's going to break me if I do. So I needed to walk away from that. And I needed to tell my husband, like, I'm making this decision, but I, I'm hoping that you'll support this because I just don't think I could do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it just kind of went from there as far, you know, that's probably the end of, uh, 2017. And then I call it kind of my, um, hosting years, you know, kind of on a pilot. Sometimes it's griefy and sometimes you're just kind of like, Hey, I had a weekend getaway and I, you know, I'm loving life, but not really actually talking about like, is this the finality of, of our journey? Um, so we actually, did a weekend getaway two years, just a little over two years ago. And that was our child-free weekend. We declared it that we were taking that trip specifically that our conversations that whole weekend was going to be to explore where, what were we going to do? We were going to do the final closing the door of, you know, not even Um, considering like, you know, what if I had an an oops pregnancy and wasn't even thinking about, you know, planning and, and seeking out, you know, medical intervention again. And what if that happened? Like we finally had that conversation. That was something that we weren't going to explore or or do anymore. And we really needed to make a decision for ourselves and our relationship. And and so it's been just our past our two year uh, freedom anniversary, I guess if you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. 
Okay. I want to unpack so many things that you touched on. First of all, I think it's so amazing. And Katie, you and I have talked about this as as well. And I'd love to hear more from you on this about taking gauge of your mental health and realizing this is not good for my mental health. I am not okay, like mentally. I think that sometimes people just, and myself included, kind of get on this ride and put the blinders on and just say, this is what the outcome that I want and I will do no matter what. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's a, you know, to each his own, obviously, or her own. But I do think it's really amazing how you guys took such care of yourselves and did that whole weekend and probably had some of the hardest conversations you've ever had. And I won't, you know, ask you about the details and all that stuff because I know that's your private stuff. But I think it's really wonderful that you did that and took the time to really, really think it through and think you probably flipped it over and what if this happens and all, you know, looked at it from so many different ways. So I know this is not an easy decision to come to for so many, but I think that's a really great example of, you know, the path that you chose and and how you kind of got there. Katie, do you want to talk about men- the mental health aspect of it a little bit? And then there's a couple other things I want to ask you about, Alicia, based on something that you said, but... Katie, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, sure. This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off. But with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily, and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf, to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash InfertileAF, code InfertileAF. Thanks, Vegamore. I mean, I'm gonna step back a bit, even from the mental health piece and say that I think for a lot of us, um, parenthood is just the default. Like a lot of us, I know for me, I didn't even really put a lot of thought into like pros and cons of becoming a parent or like, is this actually something I want? I grew up Mormon and there was like, I think within that context and also just societally, it was like, 
you, you grow up, you get married, you become a parent. And then at some point, like your kids, like your empty nesters and you have grandkids and then like you retire. And then at some point you die. And like, there's just this life plan that it's, Mm -hmm. there's so much like pressure and just expectations of like, this is how it goes. And I think the same goes for once you get into the realm of infertility, the messaging is very similar where it's like motherhood above all else is the most important thing that is, it is the, you know, the end all be all of the human experience. And so you have to sacrifice anything that you need to, to get to that end goal. And I think that for me, um, seeing how much people are being asked to give sometimes it's not the healthiest thing. So you talked about mental health, but it's also physical health. It's your finances. It's how it's impacting your relationship um, or your relationships with, you know, family, friends. There are just so many costs associated with infertility. And the further you're on that path, the more you're going to be sacrificing in all of those areas or some of those areas. And um, I think it's a very unhealthy I know you were like, there's no like better or worse, but I'm just going to say from my perspective, that idea of like put the blinders on and keep going until you have a baby to me, that scares me so bad to think that that is the norm and the message that's being put across because not everyone's starting at the same place, first of all. So people are going to be showing up to infertility with different health conditions, different mental health issues, um, maybe trauma that they've experienced in their past. Um, maybe different levels of like ambivalence about having kids. Like everyone's situation is so unique and the options, uh, the underlying conditions are unique. The options available to them are unique. The resources they can even have access to pursue are different. So it's easy to be like, just do IVF. Well, some people's bodies can't handle IVF. Some people don't have the finances to pursue that. If you're not the one, like you could say, okay, just put like that 20 grand on your credit card. You may not even have access to credit, let alone Mm -hmm. like being willing to put that much down, you know? So it's just, it's completely bypassing people's lived experiences and their circumstances. And so to have that be the primary message and the dominant message of like, it's going to be worth it. Whatever you go through, it's worth it. Well, it's not true for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, I think it's really important to take stock along the way of like, what am I sacrificing at this point? And is it still worth it? Mm -hmm. Because I think the flip side of it is like, well, if I don't become a mom, then who am I? My life is meaningless. This is my worst nightmare. It's going to be awful. I'm going to be like grieving my whole life. And it's just terrible. Well, that's not the case either. Like (laughs) most of us actually are able to go through grief, process things that are really hard And then create lives that we really love. And Mm -hmm. if you look at most research that's been done around this, it actually shows that when you, um, and there there are little like, you know, tweaks here and there, depending on what research study you look at. But for the most part, uh, parents, people who are child-free by choice, people who are childless um, for whatever reason, typically have pretty similar levels of meaning, fulfillment, joy, Like there can be little um, differences depending on the study and how they're identifying it, but it is very possible to have a great life without Mm -hmm. kids. And I think Mm -hmm. when you can let yourself explore that as an option and see examples of it and the people around you 
and let that in as an idea, it can open up a different world of possibilities. And I would say it's not the worst case scenario. Mm -mm. Yeah. And I do want to make clear, like, I'm not saying that the message I'm putting out is put on the blinders. I'm just saying that that was my thought. And I know a lot of other people, you know, think that way as well. And it's self-imposed. It wasn't because anybody told me that, but it brings up a good point, which is the term that really bothers me that, and I want to hear both of your opinions on this. When somebody's like, don't give up. What do you, that really, really bothers me because, and I'll tell you why. And then I want to hear what you guys have to say. Like, I feel like it's such a, put such a negative spin on making the pivot or deciding to walk away from whether it be treatment or trying to have kids or whatever your scenario is. And it's to say that somebody gave up, I feel like has such a negative connotation. And I don't like that. I don't like the message that it puts out there. So what do you guys think of that? Yeah, I think, gosh, we could probably talk for years about this um, because I think um, something that Katie mentioned earlier, talking about how we all come from different spaces and places as far as, you know, kind of arriving to infertility and what are the resources, you know, our mental bandwidth, you know, physical ability, all those different things that actually make us unique in who we are. But I think, you know, whatever that combination of, of our identity is, when someone says, don't give up, they may not be able to see the things that are going on internally or like an invisible illness that we're experiencing. And so what we're, what we're hearing, you know, on the other end is, you know, I'm shaming you if you do give up. I, I don't think that it's acceptable for you to give up. So you shouldn't be doing this. What you're doing is wrong by giving up. Like that's sometimes the internal message that can be heard for us. And so if we're walking away from this journey without a baby, then that just adds to the the depth of the grief work that we're doing and the the trauma that we're maybe experiencing, um, adding to our own personal experiences. Um, and so that can be really, really hard. And in and in reality, nobody actually really needs to verbally tell us that because we see all the messages around us, right? We mm-hmm. see it you know, celebrating Mother's Day, Father's Day, Siblings Day, like all the things that come up, you know, all the special occasions that aren't, you know, real big holidays are made into holidays mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. And um, and that's that's the the waters that we have to swim in consistently. We don't ever get to sort of jump out of the pool. Like we're in it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just we have to figure out how to swim against the current. Um, mm-hmm. because we're always coming up against something that's going to push us back. And so we have to figure out how to keep going mm-hmm. for our own our own sake, not for someone else's sake. Mm-hmm. I think it's even just the term giving up that bothers me too, because I don't see it like that. It's like maybe you're pivoting and embracing a better life for yourself. And maybe it's, you know, like I would love to put a more positive spin on that. So Katie, what, do you, what are your thoughts on all that? Oh, I completely agree. I hate the term give up and it's used in a few ways. So even when people say, um, I'm so glad I didn't give up because now I have a baby. It, it Even if they're talking about their own experience, it it's this idea that if you keep trying hard enough, anyone can get to a baby, which is just not the case. <laughs> like you tell me someone that you know that went to a lot of extremes to get their baby. And I can tell you someone who did this every single step same um, in the childless community and did not have a baby. I can tell you someone, I guarantee it. And so this idea that if you just want it enough, if you keep trying, you will get to that end of a baby. 
it's just not accurate. And I think the idea of never give up or um, that someone is giving up, it's with the assumption that you could have tried more, you should have done more. Mm -hmm. And if you had, you would get to the baby, but you must not want it enough. You must not, um, you know, have, have enough strength. You know, Mm -hmm. we think about like infertility warriors. And I think it just, again, it bypasses all of the personal circumstances that people have that may lead them to making the decision to not pursue treatments or to, to not pursue whatever the next option is. Um, I think, and I do want to clarify, like when you said, like putting on the blinders and just going with that. I did that too for quite a few years. And I think my body got to a place, my mental health got to a place, my other areas of my life were um, in shambles to where I said, okay, can't put my body through this anymore. Like my first cycle of IVF, it was awful. My endometriosis and fibroids uh, symptoms got so much worse and it was debilitating to where it hurt to walk. I couldn't wear jeans. I couldn't wear a seatbelt. Like for someone to say, do that again. No, like (laughs) my body's telling me like, your body does not like this. Don't do this again. And, um, but I felt pressure like, well, yeah, of course I have to do this because I have insurance coverage. So I'd be crazy not to do another. Sorry. I don't like using the term crazy. Like I, you know, I shouldn't, I have to do the cycle because I shouldn't give up and I have the insurance coverage for it. So why wouldn't I? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to a point where I was like, I, I can't keep giving in these other areas. If I keep going, something else in my life is going to break. My body's going to break. My mental health is going to break. My relationship's going to break. Something is not going to survive this. And maybe this is a good time to just put on the brakes and say, you know what? I'm going to, like you said, I'm pivoting. So yeah, I don't like the term never give up. I think the idea of framing it as giving up is just the wrong way to frame it. Um, especially when you think about the fact that most people who are parents just get pregnant naturally within the first year of just trying to conceive. And that is their path to parenthood. Like all they do is have sex for up to a year and, and they become parents, right? And once you get into that place of infertility, guess what? You've already done more than most parents did to have their kid. You tried longer, you did more already. Right. Even just get a year of trying without a baby. Right. Anything you choose to go beyond that is like your choice, but I just don't think it should be automatic where it's like, just if you don't exhaust every option and go to the most extremes to have a kid, then you gave up. It just seems really wrong to me to ask yeah. people to sacrifice that much if they're not able or willing to. And, and everyone has different limits for that. And so I think we just need it for me, it'd be healthier to normalize as a community, like Hey, let's take stock of where you're at and and make decisions around like when does it feel like a good time for you to stop? Mm-hmm. And maybe changing some of that language. So I typically will say, you know, I let go of my dream of motherhood and embrace being childless, or um, mm-hmm. I walked away from infertility. Mm-hmm. It's I think there's other ways we can frame it instead of this idea of giving up because it makes it sound like they're like winners and losers and you didn't totally. try hard enough. <laughs> yeah. And it's again, it's women mostly women talking about this, right. And pitting, it's almost like pitting us against each other, which is so not how it should be. Alicia, you had mentioned mother's day and other holidays. This will come out after mother's day since that's in a few days, but tell me how you guys, for someone who's listening, 
that might be, you know, in the scenario of where they might want to pivot or they are newly embraced, you know, letting go and embracing a childless life. How do you navigate like holidays like that? Like Mother's Day, you know, can be obviously really triggering to not only the childless collective and, you know, people who are child free, but also people who are still in the thick of it. So how do you personally navigate stuff like that? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> that one is, it's, I think sometimes the assumption, and maybe this is my own internal um, uh, dialogue of like, oh, that you're supposed to be in a better place and um, at a certain point and the Mother's Day is going to be fine after a couple of years, right? And realizing that sometimes Mother's Day, it's going to ebb and flow. And, and I think just to be able to really honor yourself and where you're at with that. If I don't feel like I want to see my mom on Mother's Day or attend an event, I'll just communicate that. Now, it took me some time to get the courage and confidence to express, you know, this is hard for me sometimes to show up. Can we celebrate the next weekend and not on Mother's Day? Because I want to spend time by myself on that day, or I want to do something to honor myself on that day. I've planted a garden one year. I think um, I had a burning ceremony a couple of years ago where I took all of my fertility receipts, doctor's receipts, the diagrams that showed me where I had to do my injections and I burned them all in my backyard. On yes, I love that. Um, and that was so freeing because that allowed me to sort of visualize myself as like, I'm like a phoenix rising from the ashes. I'm going yes. to rise above the things that are happening that make me feel really down. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to not acknowledge that that ever was a part of myself, but it it helped me to mentally and physically actually move forward in and stuff because I was really holding myself back a lot with the internal messages that I had heard from others or seen just, you know, in media or whatever it is, the, the social pressures, cultural pressures, religious pressures, all those things. I mean, we carry that from when we're really young. And so I think sometimes when we get to this point of how do we manage and go through something that celebrates something that we don't um, have that's not part of our identity, it can be really feeling conflicting sometimes. And so I think, again, it's it's really trying to figure out how can you come up with the words to express to your loved ones that this is hard for me um, and I want to join or I don't want to join. Um, and what what does that look like for you? And being able to find the things that feel good for you as far as either taking care of yourself, um, you know, treating yourself to something that makes you feel good and find joy in that day, even though you might have been crying 30 minutes before. Like, I mean, I, that I, so I think it's just really finding that self-acceptance of I am, I'm, this is how I'm feeling today. I think community has been such a huge thing too. And so there's a lot of community calls or, you know, Zoom uh, meetups and things. And that's very, very strong and prominent in Chalice Collective Community, Lighthouse Women, just Instagram friends were all, I mean, messaging, all kinds of stuff and leading up actually to Mother's Day has, it, it, the attention has increased, I think, uh, amongst everyone because they know that sometimes this can be really hard to name. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Do you mind sharing, like, what would be an example of a message that you might send to somebody? Like, what would you say? I sometimes I'm like, hey, friend, I see you. Like, literally, it doesn't even have to be like long. I think mm -hmm. that sometimes people on the outside feel like they have to give us these really special messages that are mm -hmm. long and deep. And it's, I see you. I see you're mm -hmm. having a hard time. I'm sorry that you were having a griefy moment. Um, I love you. I care about you. I'm holding space for you. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk, 
great. If you don't want to talk about it, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Just know that I, I, I recognize that you're experiencing this. I think there's a big piece about feeling validated mm-hmm. that a lot of childless people talk about, you know, that we don't feel seen or we don't feel validated and right. in our own existence. And I think that when we can feel that and see that others are feeling something very similar, just the synergy and the powerful kind of feedback that that gives you is can truly make the difference in how you're navigating kind of in coming into this space and embracing mm-hmm. being without a child. Yeah. Such a good segue because I wanted to ask Katie about Childless Collective. Tell me, since we last spoke, I feel like you've really had all these great initiatives and programs and events and outreach and all this wonderful stuff. I'm on your mailing list, so I know all the things that you've got going on and I'm always really impressed at everything. So tell me about your mission with all of this and like what you're trying to get across to people. Yeah, thank you. So yeah, things have really morphed for me. So I started, you know, Chasing Creation was my initial kind of project that I did within the childless community. And it was started as a blog, but I realized I don't like blogging because it's like, it takes me forever to write. And it's so one-sided. I didn't get like that communication and feedback from it. And so um, really what I mostly did was on Instagram. So um, my handle is now Childless Collective, used to be Chasing Creation. And I really just got to meet so many good friends there. And it was a place for me to like let out what I was feeling and experiencing, just a place to share my thoughts. And then those connections started to grow. And so I've had a few things over the years that I've done. um, But what is really different right now is that I actually just moved into this full time last July. So I quit my job of almost a decade and um, it's the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, and I'm now full-time in uh, providing support to the childless community. So uh, my background is in social work, but I did um, a community empowerment emphasis. So for me, it's that community. It's like the the individual support, but also bringing together community and how can we facilitate that? And so a lot of my focus right now is less, I think, on the individual and more on how do we create like structures that we can put in place for support um, to bring people together and have that sense of uh, validation and um, being seen and having the support that you need when for a lot of us, it's really hard to get that in our personal lives because we may not even know another person in our lives that is childless not by choice. And so some of the bigger things that I am working on, I have started doing a Childless Collective Summit, which has been an online event for the past two years. And I've had about 3,000 attendees each year. And so that's been really fun to put together and to bring some of my favorite voices from within the Childless community. Um, We had 30 speakers the first year, 40 last year. And I'm going to be planning um, the 2023 summit for October. So I'm going to be announcing that soon. And then I'm actually planning the very first in-person summit, which is even more terrifying because I'm looking at the budget and I'm like, oh my gosh, people better show up to this or else I'm going to have some major credit card debt. Um, So it's really scary, but I also know how much people are wanting to meet in person. So I'm looking at doing the first in-person event um, spring of 2024. Where will you do that? uh, In Charleston, South Carolina. So I'm in Savannah now. I just moved here. So this is like somewhere close to my home that is a great um, tourist spot. Yeah, like it's just so amazing. fun to visit. I love um, Charleston. I got engaged in Charleston, actually. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's such a I fun city. It. It, yeah, yeah. So, so I've got the um, the summits, and then um, for anyone in the childless community, you probably know who Jody Day is because she has been doing work in the childless community 
for like over a decade. And her, she, for a lot of people, she is the first introduction to there being a voice for the childless community. And um, she last year decided that she was wanting to put effort into different types of projects. She had an online community and was wanting to focus more on um, what it means to age as someone who's childless and get into kind of your elder years mm-hmm. and how that changes. And so, um, and she's writing a book and just doing all these other projects. So still within the childless space, but um, was wanting to kind of shift her focus from being the host of the online community that she had. And so we made that shift last summer um, to me being the full-time host of that community. So okay. um, it's now called Lighthouse Women. And right. um, we have about 800 members there of women and non-binary people who are childless, not by choice. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jody Day. I met her through you. Actually. <laughs> She's I awesome. Love her. I love her. Yeah. Um, she did an episode of this podcast as well. Um, so Alicia, tell me how you found Katie. How did you guys meet? My gosh, I don't even remember. It's kind of a blur. I think, um, I think I was, so when I first ended my infertility journey, there was not a lot of resource. Well, I mean, I walked out of the office without any, like, here's a referral. Maybe this might be a nice support group, that type of thing, which is very common for so many people. So I tried to find like local things, but they just weren't fitting like my personality and my needs um, because it was still a lot of people that were trying to have a baby and that was not like, but I'm not there. Um, So I felt really isolated going to those. So I think I found actually World Childless Week, um, Stephanie Phillips online and saw something through there. I started working with an arts counselor that specializes in um, infertility, child loss, uh, child loss. And so worked with her. And then somehow in that like time frame, because um, this was in the fall of 2020. And I think I would realize like my mental health was taking a hit uh, with all the isolation and stuff. And I started reflecting on my life and what was going on. Uh, and then I was like, and I don't have a baby or anything like, and I'm, you know, so all the, the mental health stuff to kind of come to surface. So I think I was on Instagram one day somehow. I don't, I really couldn't tell you, but I think just over time, you know, commenting, chatting, sending a message here or there. And now it's like, Hey Katie, like what show are you watching? So um, <laughs> it's been really fun to sort of evolve and just kind of see that, um, that friendship sort of, you know, just grow. And mm-hmm. um, I was telling her, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to be like a fangirl. I'm going to have like be on a podcast with you. So it was just kind of one of those funny, like full circle moments after, you know, the last few years of being in this um, childless space. Is this the first time you guys have met like on camera? Oh no, we've met oh. on camera, but it's the okay. first time we're like uh, doing something like a project. Doing other than something both. together. Yeah. And we I okay. was at the summit last year. So that was kind of fun to... Present yeah. and stuff, and so I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll definitely do this with you. I don't, f- I don't feel like you're fangirling. I feel, I feel like you're keeping your cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I do want to talk to both of you about is, you know, both of you have such great content, and I will say, Alicia's account is to be child free, T W O, and I'll put this all in the show notes as well. And Katie's, as we said, is Childless Collective, so definitely follow them both, guys, if you are not already. But Katie, I feel like you posted something recently about myths about being childless, not by choice. Can we get into that a little bit? What are some of the things that people think? And then what would you say to like debunk those myths? And Alicia, I want to hear your thoughts too, but let's start with Katie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This could be an entire 
I could just speak <laughs> for a week long with no interruption and right. just still be talking about this. So I'm going to make it incredibly short and then turn it over to Alicia to, to share a few things that from her perspective. But I think the biggest one for me is that I was told as a kid that women who, or maybe just the message I got is that women who were childless were meant to be pitied and that it was really just this like sad thing. And I think, you know, if you wanted kids and you have to let go of that dream, there is a really profound amount of of grief. I think for a lot of us, it, it may be the hardest thing we've ever been through. And that is partly because we have personal grief to process, but then we also just have these complex layers of relationships with family and friends and society and how we're viewed that gets piled on top of us that we also have to wade through. And that makes it super complex and something we have to deal with forever. But I think when we say the grief never goes away, the grief is so strong, like all that's true. And it's also not the whole story because what I have found from meeting thousands of people in the childless community is that they, the people here are some of the most incredible, interesting, cool people I have ever, ever met. And what you don't hear is that just picture in your mind whether you're a parent or if you just know a parent, think about how much time does that parent invest in their children? How much money is being invested in their children? How much of their emotional capacity is being invested? Like think of everything you have to invest in your child to like raise a kid, right? Now picture that all of those same resources, your time, your energy, your money, your everything can be invested where you would like to invest it. Now, that's not to say we don't have responsibilities, right? Like just because we're childless doesn't mean we have like full flexibility. We have other responsibilities and people we care for and, you know, things that we do. But it also means that like suddenly you have all this flexibility and freedom in where you want to invest those things. And that can make for some pretty cool and interesting lives. And no one seems as interested or wanting to ask us about it. But if you do, you might find that like we're actually pretty cool and we're doing cool things. And it's not just like the grief part isn't the whole story. And I hear people say grief never goes away. I'm sure I'll probably experience moments of grief in my life, but I can tell you where I'm at now, like six years post hysterectomy. I have very little grief. I don't know the last time I cried about ch being childless that I felt really that sad about it. And I'm not saying that that is everyone's experience. I think everyone deals with grief and processes it differently. And maybe I'll have waves later. But if someone said to me, I can wave a magic wand and put your baby in your arms today, I would actually say no, because I built something different and it's not what I want anymore. And so I think that those are the parts that get left out of the story that it's not just like you can go on and find a way to be okay. Like for a lot of us, it's like, no, we're actually like, our lives are pretty dope and we're pretty happy with like what we built and created outside of motherhood. And right. I don't think we get to share those parts of ourselves as much. I remember, I feel like it was Jody Day who was like, I'm thriving. Like, I'm not just like surviving, like I'm thriving and people don't talk about that a lot. So I thought, yeah, I think that's really cool. What about you, Alicia? What are some things that you want people to know or like myths that you want to debunk? Yeah, I think um, kind of what Katie was talking about is, you know, like we're doing some really cool stuff. And again, to kind of support what Jody was even saying about surviving and thriving, like we are doing some really amazing stuff. I mean, 
people are going back to school and learning something that they always wanted to. Um, I know I hear a lot of people sometimes say, you know, I chose a certain job because I thought I was going to have children. And so now I realize I don't really want to do that anymore. Like, what am I going to do? And people are traveling to some really awesome places. And so I think realizing that sometimes when you walk away without a baby, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that it, you're, it's not going to feel painful, but it also has a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, once you wade through some of that grief and it feels a little bit lighter, like there's so many opportunities. And we don't talk about like, there's a lot of things that you can do actually without a child in your life. And I think part of that kind of myth is like that people assume we need to be sad all the time. Um, and so sometimes I think that's why we don't talk about what we are doing. Um, I think for me, I can only speak for myself, but I I do feel a little guilty when I do post things or I'll rewrite something a few times because I don't want to hurt someone else's feelings who's maybe not at a place of embracing childlessness Mm -hmm. or maybe they're still trying and I don't want to come off as being rude, but I'm realizing I'm actually minimizing my joy in Mm -hmm. in being without children um, because I want to protect and, and to, you know, not hurt someone else's feelings, but I'm actually minimizing myself in doing that. And so you know, kind of figuring out like, how do you live in that in-between sort of space and and be authentic? And so sometimes we will just not share parts of ourselves because people don't find it um, kind of mm-hmm. interesting and stuff. And I think too, I, I don't know if this is something that um, a lot of people have talked about either, but like, we know a lot of stuff. Like, and, you know, I think sometimes when I hear, you know, the thing that like gets me activated is, well, as a mom, I'm like, oh, like, yes, I know yeah. as a mom that you're doing a lot of things, you're managing schedules. Like, trust me, I know that that's hard work, but also as a insert whatever profession or thing that you do, like, I also have to manage schedules and it's just in a different way, but it doesn't mean that what I'm doing is less value than mm-hmm. what you're doing as a parent. Um, and so I think that that sometimes is, you know, you know, when we talk about triggers and stuff, that's something that like kind of gets my under my skin a bit. Cause then it kind of means like, oh, well, you don't know how to do this stuff because you don't have kids. It's like, but I do actually do know, I love know a lot of really cool things and a lot of like facts and figures that I could talk about too, but mm-hmm. it's just not going to be in our same, like maybe common circle of things that we talk about because we do live a different life and, in a lot of different ways, but also have a lot of things in common. Like, I think people think that we don't have a lot of things in common and we probably actually do have a lot of things in common with those who have, you know, children in their families um, than we actually realize. Um, yeah. We like we like a lot of the same interests and stuff. We just may not spend the same amount of time on them because yeah. we may have a different, you know, schedule and allowance for that, but we're, we're still like real people. That's uh, the thing that bothers me is like, when there's that holier than thou, like, well, as a mom, or you wouldn't understand, you don't have kids. Like, I just want to smack those people. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's just not cool. And as women, it's not how we should be treating each other. It's like <laughs> you, you know, like you have your life, you do you. And I don't, it just, it really, really gets to me. It, it really bothers me when people say stuff like that. Um, I, I'm going to be devil's advocate a little bit and say, I think there are circumstances where when someone says as a mom and they're talking specifically about like something that is unique to motherhood, then it doesn't bother me. Like, mm. but I think that a lot of the times when I hear it get used, it will be like, 
as a mom, seeing like so many children die in war is heartbreaking. And it's like, well, guess what? I think that's heartbreaking too. And like right. being a mom doesn't give you like a different level of empathy for other people's kids well, yeah, or like a greater saying, capacity the holier than So yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I'll say, because I, what I see come up so much with like the mothers and non-mothers and like friendships and how do we like create relationships. And I just want to build on what Alicia said in that we miss you. If you are our friends that have kids and you, and we don't see you as much, we miss the hell out of you. And we miss that connection. We want to find ways to build that bridge because we want our friendships to stay strong. And I think um, there are a lot of things that get in the way of that because some of the things that you're experiencing as a mom could be very like activating for us and could be really difficult for us to process. But there are ways I think that we can bridge that divide and be like sensitive of um, and aware of like the experiences that moms are having and also the sensitivities and experiences of like non-moms. But that like we need to find better ways to bridge that because a lot of friendships are getting deteriorated by not being able to have those conversations or the sensitivities not being there on both sides and needing to figure out like, how do we do that? Because I'm starting to see a lot of rhetoric that's like moms and not moms and you can't be friends, like you can't bridge a friendship between the two. And I hate Mm -hmm. that because like Mm -hmm. I love my friends that are moms and I miss the hell out of them when we can't make our schedules fit. And Mm -hmm. I think there's challenges, but I do, I want to figure out, like, I would love to start having more conversations about like, how do we do that? Well, mm-hmm. Katie, that's a good idea for your next summit. A good <laughs> session. Well, the problem with, like, is I only have one side of the conversation, right? Like right. I need to be able to find ways to get the word out to moms. Cause most moms are not following me or like hearing any, they're not coming to my summit. They're not hearing anything that I'm right. saying. So yeah, we got to find those bridges. We can cross promote it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. getting both perspectives. I think that's really yeah. interesting. And I think just female friendships in general are so important. So anything, yeah. any tools that you can acquire to keep them, you know, thriving and and going through all the different seasons of our lives, I think are are really important. I feel like I've never felt so grateful for the female friendships that I have than I do now. They're, there's Those relationships are so important to me. All right. Well, before we wrap, guys, I want to remind everybody, follow you both, um, Childless Collective and To Be Child Free. So if somebody's listening right now, and I want to ask this for both of you, and they're like, kind of teetering and they're not sure which way they want to pivot. Do they want to let go and embrace a different lifestyle or are they, you know, not sure? Again, I'm not going to say anything about giving up because I'm that rhetoric needs to just go away. But what would you guys say with where you're at right now? Like something that you know now that you didn't know before you made that final decision to be where you are. Starting with you, Alicia. You're going to be okay. Whatever you decide, you're going to be okay. Um, I think that a, a big fear for a lot of people is like, but like, what's going to happen? Like, what if I, what if I can't like be in this existence without being a parent and you're going to be okay. And, and you're going to have, gosh, the biggest loving community just waiting to embrace you when you're ready. If that's the decision you do make. And if, if you walk away without baby, like so much love that is almost to the point where it's overwhelming of how much care and concern that the childless community has for each other. Mm-hmm. I love that. All right, Katie, what about you? Yep. Um, I'm going to echo what Alicia said. And I would also just add that when you're going through infertility, 
you get presented a lot of options of like, here are your next choices. And so, you know, that could, depending on where you're at, that could be, you can do IVF, you can do, you can look at donor eggs, you can adopt, you can like, you get options laid out in front of you that you could, that you consider. And I would just say having an option B that, that you are considering be like having this be my endpoint of infertility and moving forward with a, a life without kids, adding that into the options and having it be something that you consider doesn't mean that that's where it's going to end, right? Like, but it's, it's helpful to at least include that so that it's in your mind and you can be taking stock um, as you go of well, what are my limits? Where will I reach maybe a stopping point? Where, where, what would it look like to say I'm giving too much at this point? Adding it in as an option, like I just think that when you're looking at your full spectrum of like what, what's available to me, what's left that I can choose from, it can't hurt to add that in and to give that as much weight and research as you might your other options because some of the things that you may be afraid of, you may find okay, maybe this isn't going to be as bad as I thought. So I would just add that in as like, you know, introducing it as a viable option. And then, and maybe you do still pursue the the second IVF treatment or whatever it is that you want to pursue, but like just having it listed in there as like, this is a valid option too. Um, and then just what Alicia said, like, I wish that I had ways to connect to community earlier in my experience. I had a difficult time finding it. There wasn't as much that existed five years ago as there is now. So um, I would just say, like, get connected to other people who are childless after infertility first thing, because that's going to be your new support network and you're going to need them. So um, on Instagram, my friend Tanya Hubbard and I created a hashtag um, embracing childless. And I really recommend that one. We, we, um, there is childless and childless not by choice. But what we find is childless not by choice gets used a lot for some reason for, um, pregnancy announcements and people still trying to conceive and then childless gets used a lot by like parents who are without their kids for a day like oh date night we have a babysitter hashtag childless and so we uh created embracing childless because it's unique enough that it only gets used by like the childless not by choice community so that is a great place to start if you're just trying to look for those initial connections or like find people Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Definitely check out Katie on Instagram at Childless Collective and check out Alicia at To Be Child Free. It's T-W-O, Be Child Free. Follow them both if you're not already. I want to thank both of them for coming on and being honest and you know just talking about something that I feel like personally does not get enough light shed on it. So thank you both for doing that. Thank you guys for listening. Also, don't forget to check out Fertility Rally, the community I co-created with Blair Nelson. We are here for you. We are open. We are always looking to have new members come and come to our support groups and our events. We have an awesome event coming up in IRL event, in real life event in Chicago in August. So that's going to be great, but tons of other stuff too. So check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally and on the big World Wide Web at FertilityRally.com. And finally, if you have anything you need or you want to get in touch with me directly, you can DM me on Instagram at InfertileAFStories. So thank you again. I will talk to you guys next time. Sending you all love.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.